this episode of the Pinnacles NFL Insights. I'm your host, Eric Eager from Consumer Sports, alongside PFF's Ben Brown, to help guide you through the world of the NFL with week-to-week reflections and projections. Ben, I can't believe that we are already to week six of the NFL. What did you think uh, of week five? I mean, yeah, I I would definitely uh, reiterate your point. I do think, you know, every year we probably sit here and talk about how, you know, the first four or five weeks of the season have gone uh, as quickly as possible. This one feels like it has absolutely flown by. Uh, But I do think there is, you know, a lot of, uh, I would say, insight to be gleaned, especially through the first five weeks of the season, but specifically week five, especially one team that, uh, I know that both of us kind of liked heading into the year uh, and, and maybe didn't start off exactly as well as we wanted them to, but definitely performed in week five, the New York Jets. I think they are honestly uh, kind of back here. Maybe, they, maybe they've maybe they never actually been and now are finally arriving. I'm not quite sure, but uh, I thought, you know, the performance even against third string quarterback Skyler Thompson uh, was really good. The main reason why I'm so bullish on them, uh, Zach Wilson, I think, finally looks the part as, you know, the second overall pick of the 2021 draft. I think the reason why he was actually drafted in that position was uh, his ability to generate big plays downfield. He's definitely doing that uh, from a clean pocket. So I am, you know, kind of excited about uh, where the New York Jets are headed. I do think that Robert Sala, you know, strong coaching tree coming up from the defensive side of the football. I think he's kind of starting to put uh, the pieces, pieces in place for what could be, uh, you know, another dominant defense in the NFL. Maybe not this year, but I, I think with young guys on both sides of the football uh, contributing early, I think, you know, maybe even if they don't get into the playoffs in 2022, uh, they're going to definitely be a team on the rise here in 2023. And I do think that, you know, week five definitely showcased that. I'm wondering, uh, where where do you stand on the New York football Jets right now? Jets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had four draft picks in the first 36 picks. Um, you know, Brees Hall right now looks the part, 100 yards through the air, uh, 97 on the ground. He scored a touchdown. In fact, the Jets scored uh, five rushing touchdowns, include two by Michael Carter, one by the aforementioned Zach Wilson. Braxton Berrios took a reverse uh, to the house as well. Wilson, one of my draft crushes in 2021. Right. You are finally you are finally seeing some things there. Um, Ten yards of attempt, although one, a lot of that was the Brees Hall play uh, the other day. Um, look, I, I think that you know for the Jets, it's going to be hard because the AFC is a difficult uh, place to to win in. But uh, it is encouraging that they're beating the teams that they should beat because you know th- that that that's important. And, and you know, and they showed some resilience. Obviously, they get up twelve nothing in that game. Uh, and 19-7 in the third quarter, that that lead got you know whittled down to two, and ultimately they blew it open in the fourth quarter right. with three touchdowns. Uh, I'm a I, I'm a big fan of how they closed that game. Uh, just to kind of you know double down a little bit, the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know another team that had an injury at quarterback to start the season, um, but their defense is just doing so many great things. They they win in Los Angeles against the Rams, um, 22-10. Uh, Micah Parsons looks absolutely part of Lawrence Taylor. You know, uh, Dan Quinn, the former head coach of the Falcons, now the defensive coordinator, um, is, you know, dialing up, you know, he is you know, disguising coverages more than anybody right. in the league, stunts more than anybody in the league. Um, you know, they, they get the Eagles this week on Sunday Night Football. It's going to be tough without without Dak again. Um, but even at four and two, should they lose that game, they're in the driver's seat for a playoff spot in what is a, a pretty weak NFC. So uh, I was hugely impressed with Dallas this week. Um, and and as well as the Jets, I do think the Jets having a winning record after five games uh, it, it is an incredibly uh, you know good thing for them to be. And let's talk 
a little bit about the outright markets here because we have seen, you know, obviously some changes uh, to those. We've seen the Eagles, who in the preseason were, you know, basically 48 to one right. on Pinnacle, now six to one, uh, one of the favorites in the NFL. Um, the Ravens, who, you know, you and I bet uh, early in the offseason, uh, started out 23 to one, now they're 18 to one. And our hometown, Minnesota Vikings, then opened, um, you know, 44 to one, now 21 to one. I think that one, by the way, uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. I think that does reflect, you know, the the complexity that's inherent uh, in handicapping the Minnesota Vikings right now. A team that's four and one, one and four against the closing number is one thing. Then. But the other thing is obviously, you know, a season ago when they basically every single game but three was a one-score game. Right. This Vikings team is undefeated now uh, in one-score games this season. Uh, ben, what do you think about the Purple? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really perplexing, I would say, I would say still through the first five weeks of the season, because we're not seeing some of like the end of game shenanigans that we were so used to seeing in 2021 with the Minnesota Vikings. Right. I think, you know, some of the end of half and a game type situations, Kevin O'Connell has kind of uh, alleviated a lot of the concerns in those particular moments. But in saying that they are definitely still uh, allowing teams to cling along cling along in some of these games that they should definitely be bearing them in. I think they were, you know, essentially tied or or down slightly against the Chicago bears late in this particular matchup once again. So it's, it's, it's like kind of, uh, I, I would say still concerning how, incapable they seem of actually putting teams away uh when they are clearly better they do continue to kind of play down but uh i, I still think you know justin jefferson probably the best non-quarterback in football does seem like you know kevin o'connell's at least you know maximizing the output that kirk cousins is capable of and i do think that you know from that perspective th- the rest of the nfc uh, North specifically, I would say is down worse than, uh, you know, what we projected on even in the preseason. I do think that the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, maybe they can kind of put things together, but uh, they kind of look like a mess out, say both offensively and defensively uh, to start the 2022 season. So I would not be surprised if, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, even though they're incapable of, you know, running away from teams in any given game might actually kind of run away with this division when it's all said and done. So I'm kind of buying into them. And I do think that, you know, the price movement from them on Pentacle uh, is justified through the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, it's weird, right? They get Skylar Thompson, the third string quarterback of the Miami Mm -hmm. Dolphins this week. Then they get a, you know, kind of a a bad Cardinals team at home. Then they go to Washington in a Kirk Cousins revenge game uh, to play the Commanders. You know, those are three winnable football games. Uh, through the first, you know, the next three weeks. And so, you know, they could very well be seven and one. Um, but to your point, and I think that this is why if you have a Kevin O'Connell ticket, you better hold on to it for coach of the year. Kirk Cousins, you know, completion percentage is about the same as last year. Yards per attempt is down almost a full yard from 7.5 last year to 6.7. And if you look at his peak as a Viking in 2020 at 8.3, that's a yard and a half difference. Uh, you look at uh, adjusted yards per attempt, that's 2.2 yards. Um, but he does lead the league in game-winning drives. He does lead the league in fourth quarter comebacks with three. Right. Um, you know, he's on pace for just 24 touchdowns, would be, which would be a career low for him as a Minnesota Viking and a career low for him since he started being a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2015. So, you know, this is it was a very tactical move by Quasi Adafo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell to go with him, um, knowing that, you know, this schedule, if it worked out this way could be conducive to him not even playing as well as he's played in the past and still having a winning record there. I don't know if I would bet them as the favorite 
um, to win the uh, win the NFC North. Right now, they're minus one thirty eight. Uh, it's the first time during the Matt Lafleur era that the Vikings have been favored during the middle of the season right. uh, for the NFC North title. The Packers are plus one thirty five. I don't know if I bet the Packers. Um, but I also would not lay the money with the Vikings there. Um, when I look at, you know, sort of some of these other, you know, outrights again, um, you know, the Jaguars, you know, we, we talked about them on the last show and how impressive they were a couple losses in a row, uh, one to an Eagles team that no one's going to fault them for. Um, but, a but a bad loss, a loss by seven, um, to a Houston team in which the Jags didn't score a touchdown and they missed 17 tackles on just Damian Pierce alone. Uh, I think that was one where, you know, they had great point differential after, you know, the first three or four weeks of the season, but we got a slower roll a little bit on, on the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars uh, in the AFC South. Um, I want to move on to this week, Ben week six. Okay. What I love about week six, look, there are some privileges of games here, right? Washington goes to Chicago. That game's a pick them at pinnacle. Both teams are minus one Oh five. So, you know, obviously reduced juice at pinnacle, the, basically the the sharpest and and best lines there right um don't really want to talk about that game that game's not not fun um but we do have some games between teams that i think are struggling that we thought were going to be good and we also have you know some games between some truly marquee teams and the first one i want to talk about the cincinnati Bengals, my hometown cincinnati Bengals, uh the town i live in now uh they're going on the road to face new orleans both teams are through two and three um, this, the Bengals are minus 127 in this game. The Saints are plus 114. Total is 43 and a half, Ben. Man, I, I, I don't know what to make of this game. The Bengals' right. defense is playing phenomenal football. The offense just can't seem to get it going. The Saints are one of those defenses that's just pesky. And, and if right. the Bengals don't bring their best schemes and, and game plan into this game, uh, it's not going to be pretty for them. Right, definitely. And, and I think the injury situation for the New Orleans Saints specifically is also like really confusing in order to try and handicap this game accurately early on in the week. We've got guys like, you know, Chris Olave, uh, concussion. Sounds like he's at least in like a stage three uh, uh, area of his concussion protocol. Maybe he gets back. Michael Thomas, of course, as well. Leg injury, Jarvis Landry, questionable leg injury. So like the, the Saints top three receivers all very much questionable uh, in this particular matchup. Again, and then you also have, of course, you know, the, the Jameis Winston, is he going to be back? It doesn't seem like he's likely either. So we're going to have Andy Dalton throwing to guys like, you know, Traquan Smith, uh, some of these Deontay Harris types, everybody else that's kind of like, you know, the, the worst of the worst with what they had last year. And I think that, you know, at, at some point, we are going to see the Cincinnati Bengals break an explosive play. Obviously what they relied on pretty heavily last year in order to have a lot of that offensive success hasn't really come to fruition yet this year. I think, you know, there's probably a number of reasons for that, whether you want to blame, you know, partially on the offensive line, partially on, you know, bracket coverage on Jamar Chase, partially on, you know, Joe Burrow, just uh, not alleviating pressure whatsoever, or it's, you know, the Zach Taylor and, you know, all the things that go into uh, some of the things that he's putting forth from an offensive scheme or play calling perspective. But uh, at some point, I think the talent is too big for Cincinnati side uh, in order for them to kind of keep stumbling and tripping over themselves every single week. So I think if you are playing one spot right now, given the questionable nature of so many people on the Saints, you know, offense, offense specifically, uh, I think it's Cincinnati or Boston. I've been saying that every week and it has not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, worked out for my betting uh, bankroll and portfolio so far in 2022. But uh, I'm still buying in the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think, you know, this is a perfect spot for them to uh, at least be ahead of the curve in a lot of situations. So at minus one and a half, 
road road favorite. Uh, I'll take Cincinnati any, any day of the week, I would say. Yeah, and you know, you look at the PFF grades. Like Andy Dalton has graded really well the last yeah. two weeks, and uh, you know, come back, coming back and almost beating the Vikings, covering the number, the closing number there, and then obviously uh, as five ish point favorites at home against Seattle. You know, the Saints defense really let them down, but to Andy Dalton's credit, uh, he played phenomenal football and scoring 38 points in that game, uh, 39 points in that game to to really, you know, push that team over the top. So uh, kudos to Dalton. Do, does it continue in this revenge game against his former mates in the Bengals? I don't know. I do want to talk about two teams that have at times been competitive in the NFC West, but right now um, are at various stages of uh, difficulty, and that's the Arizona Cardinals going on the road to Seattle. Um, laying two and a half. It's so weird, right? Because Arizona covers the number last week against Philadelphia. Um, but you know, it, it was a journey. Eagles right. were, you know, got out to a 14 point lead. The Eagles, by the way, in, the, in, in a lot of games this year, have gotten out to big leads and then just like, you know, taking the foot off the gas. Um, they did that against the Cardinals almost came back to bite them. Um, but it didn't, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray do not look, uh, you know, on point. Um, but they go to Seattle where the Seattle defense is not very good. Not However, Geno Smith is playing out of his mind. He's the top graded quarterback per PFF. Uh, he's, he's thrown the, you know, he, he's just he, top guy in QBR. He's throwing the ball around the yard. The wide receivers for Seattle are great. They did lose Rashad Penny, but Ken Walker, uh, is there, you know, for reinforcements. When I look at this and I know, you know, what the PFF numbers say, I, I looked at it earlier today. It's it's got to be one that I, I kind of disagree with though. I like Seattle getting two and a half points plus one twenty two on the money line at home against an Arizona Cardinals team that Ben I just don't think is inspired enough uh, to win this football game. Yeah, definitely. And, and I honestly uh, I have to agree with you, right? I do think that you know Gino, Gino Smith, like you said, top graded passer from PFF screen so far this year. First guy to get uh, a positive two point play on any one particular play from a passing perspective in twenty twenty two, and has been dropping you know absolute dimes to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. We have them as you know the top uh, one of the top graded offensive units overall through the first five weeks of the season. And it's, you know, a, a, a lot to do with Geno Smith. I think, I think he kind of like flashed at points at stretches last year, uh, kind of filling in for Russell Wilson. And there was, you know, I, I think that there's a very good reason for why Pete Carroll should definitely feel, you know, vindicated in his decision to actually go with Geno Smith, you know, as the quarterback and kind of move on from Russell Wilson, because it's playing out, you know, way better than anybody would have expected. And I think that you in some ways kind of got to ride the hot hand there. Right. I mean, if you think Seattle, you know, has the biggest home field advantage of any other team in the NFL, the two and a half is, you know, completely probably wrong. I would say, uh, and this particular matchup, I do think, you know, Arizona, like you said, maybe showed some signs of, you know, putting things in place, uh, last year, but that was kind of, it wasn't necessarily like a backdoor cover because they were tied at the end, uh, and Philadelphia ended up kicking that field goal to win it, but it, it, it still was not, I would say, uh, a very impressive cover performance from Arizona. I think it was aided somewhat by some injuries along, you know, the Eagles offensive line as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm concerned. I think, you know, I, I would be surprised if, you know, the Cardinals are probably going to have to put up, I would say, you know, 30 to 35 points in order to uh, potentially win this game. And I just don't know if I trust Cliff Kingsbury enough uh, in order to actually do that. So I, I'm with you. I like Seattle plus two and a half. I know 
Like you said, defensively, they've been really poor. Uh, Tariq Woolen's basically been like the one guy, three interceptions uh, in the past three games, grading pretty well from a PFF perspective. You know, rookie, cornerback, definitely arriving ahead of schedule. But uh, outside of him, I think, you know, this is a really bad defense, maybe the second worst unit in the NFL. So if the Cardinals, you know, can't put it together, I think it might finally be time to, uh, you know, probably not necessarily be backing them for the rest of the season if they can't really do something here in Seattle, but I would be surprised if they do. So I think, you know, Seattle plus two and a half, uh, doesn't look like it's going to get up to plus three, but if it does, uh, I think that would be a pretty decent hammer spot. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's talk about two more games with four teams that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, this is the game between the two best teams in the NFL, the Buffalo bills. Uh, they go to Kansas city. They are three point favorites on pinnacle, although it's more like a true plus two and a half. Buffalo's minus three is plus 106. You look at the money line, Buffalo's minus 143, Kansas City plus 128. Patrick Mahomes, get this, Ben, as an underdog. He's been an underdog eight times in his career. Against the number, he's 7 and one um, And straight up, he's 6-2. and two. Um, Now, it's a little bit misleading because Patrick Mahomes' first three starts on the road against Denver right. in week 17 of 17, he was an underdog and won week one against the Los Angeles Chargers. In Los Angeles, he was a three-and-a-half-point dog, one outright. And then against Pittsburgh, I believe, in week two of 2018, he was also roughly a field goal. Or no, I think it was more like a six-point underdog in that game, and they went outright. You know, since then, it's been a game against New England in 2019. It's been a game uh, against, uh, I believe it was Baltimore in 2020. Um, we just had one where they, he was an underdog against Tampa Bay. Um, you know, so... We, we've had games where he's been an underdog, right? And he's almost always delivered a win or a cover. This one feels a little bit different, though, Ben, because Buffalo, you know, leading the league in scoring, um, sec- leading the league in points uh, or second in scoring or and leading the league in points allowed. Like this is, you know, Buffalo is a great football team. And, you know, Kansas City, we watched them uh, on, on Monday night in Omaha when I was here to visit. Um, you know, Kansas City can be best described as a team of the – Fantastic quarterback right. the coach when he coaches right is amazing and a roster that is good enough to win the Super Bowl, but not nearly as good as Buffalo. So what do you think about this game? Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, heading into the season, probably even heading into, you know, like week two, week three, Buffalo had by far the most complete roster in the NFL. I don't think there was any question of that. And, and, and the one trump card that Kansas City kind of has is Patrick Mahomes being you know, not only the best quarterback in the NFL, but, uh, you know, so much further ahead of everybody else that he maybe doesn't need the, the, the high quality players at every single position in order to kind of compete with some of these teams that, you know, have, you know, guys two through 53 are a lot better than what he's, you know, working with. But uh, I think the injury situation for Buffalo is a little bit concerning. I, they've definitely shown some cracks when Jordan Poyer hasn't been in the lineup. No Micah Hyde either. Obviously, you know, Tredavious White isn't going to be back for this particular matchup either. So I think that uh, given the current state of the Bills secondary, it's it, it's definitely, you know, a, a situation that Patrick Mahomes can exploit given the right time. And I do think that the Chiefs offensive line has been good enough from a pass blocking perspective to the point where uh, they can circumvent uh, what has been a really good, if not the best, you know, front four uh, for the Buffalo Bills uh, so far here in 2022. I think they have like the highest pressure rate or the second highest pressure rate in the NFL. Uh, but I think, I think the Chiefs offensive line matches up fairly well with them. Uh, and I do think that, you know, the Bills, uh, you know, difficult spots 
on their offensive side, I do think that, you know, the Chiefs have at least playmakers at those positions that can potentially exploit some of those matchups. So if I'm getting, you know, what I consider the best quarterback on the planet uh, at, at a plus price at home, uh, I think I'm locking it in every single time. And I do think, you know, some of the some of the matchups I think are going to be, uh, you know, exploited from the Chiefs perspective a lot better than what the Bills are going to be able to take advantage of. And I think that, you know, with Patrick Mahomes in the fold as well, uh, they are definitely my side and my preferred side of this handicap. Yeah, Trent McDuffie back. Um, you know, you, you got a lot of folks back on that defensive side of the ball coming back. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, along always with back. He's never left. Never left. I mean, right? Yeah, combined just... <laughs> for more yards than the than the departed Tyree Kill. Um, and and that's you know very clearly uh, you know what the Chiefs wanted out of those out of those guys and one uh, you know what they've been able to get. Um, okay, lastly. Denver going on the road against Los Angeles and an AFC West uh, battle between two teams that are chasing Kansas City. Um, this game opened six. Uh, it was a game that I, I like Denver. They're coming off of the, you know, the rest there. Not only you get the Thursday night rest, but you get the Monday night rest um, against a Chargers team that, you know, basically needed some luck. And we finally got luck right. from the Chargers uh, with, with Cade York missing that field goal for the uh for the Cleveland Browns. Um, so they're three and two Denver's two and three, obviously as a Kansas city fan, I'd love to see uh, both of them be three and three after this game. What do you think of this game, Ben? Yeah, definitely. I, I like Denver, you know, plus five and a half, you can get it definitely. But my concern, I would say maybe before locking in that bet is I'd really like to know the status of, uh, you know, one, a Randy Gregory, one B Baron Browning, right. Two of the best five, you know, players from a pressure rate so far in 2022, both very much questionable in this particular matchup. I do think that if, 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 if the injury situation kind of swings in the charges direction, if they are kind of capable of getting, you know, Keenan Allen back in the fold uh, and some of the Denver Broncos injury situations break poorly for them, uh, I can definitely see why, you know, the, the Chargers could run away with this one, especially given, you know, the current state uh, of the Broncos offense. But I, I do think at some point, you know, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson are going to kind of be able to put some sort of semblance of productive offense together. Um, not necessarily saying it's going to happen here against the Chargers, but they haven't really good, been all that great defensively. And I do think the Broncos, you know, do bring that fast to the play uh, into this game in a much better environment than what the Chargers have right now. So I would take Broncos plus five, plus five and a half. Basically, I guess you look at what, where exactly is it on uh pentacle? It's actually, is it down to four and a half it's, now? It's five and a half. Yeah, juiced uh, towards Denver, it looks like. But I absolutely agree with you. I think this is the classic, uh, you know, you, you doubt a team, doubt a team, doubt a team. They look terrible. Um, and, and you, you you know, the Chargers, you're like, oh, the Chargers are back. We're finally getting something expected right. out of them. And and they 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 can't handle um, expectations. I, I like that. Okay, speaking of expectations, okay, um, our expectations for college football have been kind of upturned. Uh, this this season, right? We we have you know going into the year, Alabama was a favorite. Um, Georgia was there along with them. Ohio State was third. Um, I didn't really see it in the Buckeyes, um, but um, the markets have disagreed. The, the undefeated right. Ohio State Buckeyes are plus one eighty uh, to to win the college football championship right now. Georgia and Alabama are trailing at plus two twenty each. Uh, actually, Alabama is now plus two forty. Clemson at twelve to one, <laughs> even with DJ Uilungalele playing okay, but not you know, necessarily um, obviously being that like, caliber of quarterback that you're seeing, at least with Ohio State and Alabama with Bryce Young hurt, uh, albeit. Um, ben, what do you think about this market? And is there any value here with three teams basically as, as you know, 
two to one or so. Um, and the rest of the you know teams long shots and probably with no chance to win the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's it's really tough to buy into like anybody else uh, as far as those top three teams in order to even kind of get there. I think maybe there would be a, a case to be made for Clemson, but it's kind of you know Clemson or Michigan fitting into that final spot. Uh, I would consider Clemson probably being, uh, you know, the better team in a straight up environment uh, against Michigan. So maybe they have an opportunity, but yeah, I think it's, you know, I would, I would probably lean in Ohio state's direction more than anything else, especially given the injury situation to Bryce young this week, obviously big match against Tennessee. If he's a, if he's able to go, uh, you know, will greatly impact and benefit their outlook. But if he's not, you know, this is a game that if they let slip away, uh, you know, they're very much, uh, you know, questionable as far as if they're going to be one of those four teams, especially if they don't end up winning, uh, you know, the conference championship when it's all said and done. So uh, I think I'm probably most nervous about Alabama. I do you think Ohio State, uh, you know, makes the most sense right now if you're going to buy into any one of those three teams? But uh, I, I don't know if I can really make a strong case for anyone at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about a couple before we go two college football games. Okay. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with one. Okay. Our Minnesota Golden Gophers, you know, our hometown team, um, they go on the road to face Illinois. Illinois six and a half point underdogs. Given the history, given how much of a house Illinois has been so far this year, Brett Bielema doing a lot of great things. They they win a game, an ugly game against Iowa. I'm going to take the Illinois Fighting Illini plus six and a half uh, against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. This just feels like a meltdown game. In fact, uh, I, I think the money line is probably a good play as well at, at plus 207 on Pinnacle. I like the Illinois fighting line. Yep. I, I definitely don't, I don't, I don't hate it whatsoever either. I kind of lost faith in our golden gophers a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I can definitely get on board with that. I will say my favorite, probably, you know, college football bet coming up here week seven. I do like Eastern Michigan minus two and a half. I also like them, you know, on the money line going up against Northern Illinois team that I think is maybe a little bit overrated, but anytime I can back, uh, you know, our Eastern Michigan, uh, units i can definitely do that so i i, I kind of like them a little bit uh, uh you know i would say slightly better quarterback we have them you know much better offensively a little bit better defensively as well uh, i think that match up pretty well against northern illinois and i think that you know given what both these teams have shown so far uh eastern michigan at you know less than a field goal differential is uh, a, a kind of a slam dunk play in my opinion for week seven yeah, going back to the well there after they won uh, last week outright as big underdogs uh, for us. Um, you know, Eastern Michigan, uh, a very good side, uh, I think, is this week as well. So um, that was the NFL Insights podcast for another week. Um, at Pinnacle Podcast on all platforms to follow and keep up with up to date on all Pinnacle's latest shows, including the brand new uh, NBA breakdown episode ahead of the new season with the Athletics, Joe Barton and Seth Partnow. Um, Please keep across Pinnacle.com page for the latest betting insights, including Mark Taylor's Game of Week, Pinnacle's weekly NFL prediction article, and NCAA college football predictions. So for Eric, for Ben Brown, at PFF Ben Brown on Twitter, this is Eric Eager, at Eric Eager underscore on Twitter, at Pinnacle on Twitter, is Pinnacle Sports on YouTube. This has been the Pinnacle NFL Insights Podcast. Please gamble responsibly. Thank you. Very much.